Right, good morning, Mosaic. We are really glad that you're here. My name is Kurt. How many of you have been in that place before, right? It feels like you are like trying to survive the valley of the shadow of death, right? This is not working for me. Come on, the world is against me, only to find out when you get on the other side. It all turned out just fine. I'm here an hour early anyways, right? Oh, thank you, Garrett, for uh, setting that up for us. That was great. Um, yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, if you're new here with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, maybe you've been away for a couple weeks. Let me just kind of take us on a little journey to remind us of where we've been. Uh, we're doing this uh, series together called This Ordinary Life. Give us today our daily chores. And what we're doing in particular is we are rejecting the idea that life is somehow like found in all of the extraordinary things that we're waiting for, right? Right? This needs to happen if I could just have this experience. But what we're doing is is we're rejecting that so that we can actually settle into the normal, ordinary, everyday situations that we find ourselves in and discover that God is right there in the midst of those things meeting us. Not just meeting us, but, but really longing to shape us, to remind us of the incredible love that he has for us, what he desires to accomplish in our life. So we started out and we said one of the first things that we do, because remember when we look at God's day and there was evening and then there was morning the first day. Genesis 1, right? God's day starts in the evening. In our culture, evening tends to be a time where maybe we're going to ramp it up a little bit. You know what I mean? We're going to ramp up the consumption. Like, isn't there something more I need to consume Another show I need to watch, right? Something else I need to eat. Something else I need to do. Something else I need to worry about. Um, But instead, God's saying, no, 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 no. Meet me in the midst of your routine every evening. Lay aside those idols of consumption, of control. And instead, enter into rest, right? Let this be a reminder that I hold the day together. And I hold tomorrow together. And I'll hold the next season together. And so we can settle in. And it's really just a reminder that, God, you're holding it all together. And as I fall into this beautiful thing called sleep, um, in some ways it's just really readying me for the big sleep that's to come. Uh, But even should I enter into that big sleep um, due to the resurrection of Jesus, that is not the end Morning will come, the sun will rise. So nighttime, a beautiful, ordinary thing that we do every day, but God meets us in extraordinary ways. As we wake up in the morning, we said, let's just take it a little more slow, right? For those of us who like to jump up out of bed and go tackle the day. How many of us are like that? I'm that kind of person, right? The morning's here, put my feet on the ground, let's go. And, you know, there's all kinds of things I need to do, all the ways that I need to prove myself. But instead, no, 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 no. Let's just kind of stay in those covers another couple minutes and let that be a time to remind ourselves that God's love is covering me even before I accomplish the first thing I've accomplished that day. Or maybe for some of us, it's really difficult to get out of bed because we feel like we're not accomplishing the things that we would like to accomplish. Maybe we feel like we're not performing the way that we'd like to perform. But morning is this beautiful, ordinary activity of just kind of waking up slowly and being mindful 
that, God, you are well-pleased. You are well-pleased with who I am. Your love is constantly chasing me down, and it starts right here in this morning moment of waking up. Last week, we talked about uh, living in a body, right? Those things that we do every morning when we get up, standing in front of the mirror and combing the hair, shaving, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's real easy when we stand in front of the mirrors um, to shame ourselves, right? To notice everything that's lacking, to notice everything that we wish we could change. We live in a culture of shame, Um, But God is inviting us out of shame in each and every care that we provide for our body. But he's also inviting us out of worshiping our bodies too, right? That the tendency is always there to exchange the glory of God and worship the created things starting number one with ourselves, right? That life isn't about worshiping our bodies and what they desire and what they crave. So God, and just the way that we take care of ourselves, those little things that we do each and every day, is inviting us out of shame, and he's inviting us out of worship of our bodies into honoring these bodies. This is a beautiful gift that you and I have been given. Uh, And all of us, so diverse in the way that we look around, and you just see um, all of the diversity, even right here in this room, of the way that our bodies are made. But these bodies, guys... These bodies are the very things that we use to work out the Christian life, right? The ways that we actually love one another, the ways that we actually care for each other, the ways that we actually serve the least of these, those that are broken, those that need to be reminded of God's love. Today we're going to talk in particular about um, something that we all love to deal with, interruptions. Interruptions, right? I remember back in 2012, I had the opportunity to travel with a a wonderful group of people. We went to Africa together. Um, There's a picture up here on the screen, I think. There I am, third from the left, and uh, I had hair in those days, a little bit of it anyways. Um, Yeah, it was great. We went to this northern region of Uganda, and I remember as we were preparing this team, there was a, um, a connection I had there, and they were working on a medical clinic, Uh, putting in some clean uh, new water wells, and we had the opportunity to go and just be a part of what God was doing in that place. And for the months leading up to that trip, um, we kept drilling it into our heads and hearts that in Africa, you don't come with a plan. The only plan is that there is no plan, right? Some of you are shaking your heads. You've experienced that before. Where's Ann Kaler? Where are you, Anne? Right there. Anne, you just experienced it the last two weeks, right? You were in Africa. Welcome home from Rwanda. Great to have you with us. But you, but you realize you go to a place like that, there is no plan. Like, that, that's the plan. Now, we kept drilling that into our heads for three months so that finally we were prepared for it. And it's true. You go, and like, the things that you, that you thought you were going to do from day to day, it just didn't happen. You know, this vehicle breaks down. This person isn't there. This situation doesn't play out. But because we were able to really settle in and say, the only plan is that there is no plan, there was this incredible, beautiful way that we could interact with the day right before us. It was was a gift. I mean, because you could actually interact with the people and the situations, regardless of what was happening, in these beautiful, non-anxious kind of ways. Like, even if something went drastically wrong, it's like, it's okay. Let's just take our time to address this, right? Does someone need help? 
Does this thing need to be fixed? What, how can we step in and do it? And, and you're kind of interacting with God's presence in that place with those people, and it was a beautiful gift. And so we, we kind of have to stop and kind of question the way that we do things maybe here in our culture where efficiency and productivity and the plan is always honored, right? It was this beautiful way of living. The funny thing is, is all of us on this team, we got back from the trip, and one of the most difficult things was this. As soon as we touched ground in America, as soon as we went through customs, like literally the first thought that started to go through my head was, okay, what's my plan for the next week? Right? I mean, all the things that I needed to get done, back to real life. Um, and you just find yourself in this cycle. But the reality is, guys, is that um, the, the human condition, the human condition is colliding with all kinds of pain, with loss of control. It's going to happen all throughout our days. Uh, the human condition is colliding with irritation and interruption and things we would change if we could. Let's just pause there for a minute. Um, you're getting ready to head out the door, and you can't find your keys. You can't find your glasses, right? For me, it's normally my glasses, and it just drives me nuts, right? I mean, you, you start to kind of like inside, you feel your heart begin to race, right? Oh, where did I set those things? And now you start pointing the finger at yourself. You kind of want to kick yourself in the tail. Why can't I ever remember where my glass, you know? And so I'm beating myself up. Um, or maybe it's other things, right? Maybe it's that appliance that breaks, um, or it's that uh, few inches of water that's in the basement, um, right? Maybe you're in the midst of a great sleep only to be woken by that child who is sick and needs you, right? I mean, life is continually colliding with all of these irritations, these interruptions. And when you're in the midst of it, it literally feels like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, right? But here's the deal. These ordinary interruptions, irritations that we face each and every day are moments to practice this reality, Because as much as it's true that the human condition is colliding with pain, loss of control, irritation, interruption, and things we would change if we could, it is also continually colliding with the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. The other night, um, I was leaving the College World Series with my dad and his friend. And uh, it's late. We wanted to get home, right? And um, so we're, we're waiting at this cross street so we can cross over a busy street, and there's an Omaha PD right here controlling the light. Um, the problem is, is he's letting all of these cars go through, and we're just sitting here waiting for him to, like, control the light so we can have our turn to cross the street. And, like, I can, all of us in the car, like, you, your heart rate picks up a little bit, and, like, like, literally, like, it starts going through my mind, like, oh, come on, guy, change the light. You know, I'm like, he's probably a dirty cop. Bet he is. And like before long, like I'm labeling this guy, you know what, he's, pro- he's probably racist. He probably, he's just not a good cop. I bet he's like stealing money on drug busts and stuff. And it's like, time out here, Kurt. Slow down, right? I mean, I do this to myself, right? And it's like, time out. What's, what's the rush here, Kurt? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Would you just rest right now? And would you extend some grace and love to the cop who's trying to do his job? Now, the reality is, is, is we might say to ourselves, yeah, but whatever, it's no big deal. Um, but someday, someday I'm going to be faced with a real loss. You're going to be faced with a real loss. 
Someday, everything is going to feel like it's falling apart. Some days, it's, the, the experience is really going to be that season is going to come where you're going to be, I have no control, and this is incredibly painful. And only if we are practicing receiving the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases in these little, everyday, ordinary interruptions and irritations will we be ready to receive it in those seasons. Watching those college players play at the stage that they were, it, it, it like went through my head like, man, here they are having this extraordinary experience. But how many hours and days and seasons of playing in front of nobody, right? Just being in the batting cage day after day after day, right? Doing the same drills at practice day after day after day. Um, and the same is true for us, Mosaic. Um, God's love is, is, is meeting us right there in the midst of those irritations, those interruptions. Um, it, it's really the place where our life and, and God's life meet. Um, and, and when we're in that place, there's, there's this invitation to kind of die to the reaction that we want to first kind of have in order to, to receive something that God's Spirit wants to give us. Now, the way to think about this is all of us are being invited into what's called a cruciform way of life, right? To follow Jesus means that your life is being invited into a cruciform life, that your life actually takes the shape of Jesus' life, that as you take up your own cross in various ways, dying to the things that you would prefer, dying to your plan, to your schedule, to your desires, in order to allow God's presence to minister to you in that place the same way that God's presence ministered to his son Jesus in that cross experience, in order that resurrection and something new might be experienced, might take form. And so here's the opportunity. This is what I don't want us to miss, Mosaic. In the midst of interruptions, irritations, all of those little things, would you realize that the the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases is meeting you there, and Jesus is actually desiring to minister to you in that moment. And as you practice allowing him to minister to you in that moment, to give you grace, to give you peace, that what you're doing is you're actually preparing yourself for the world series of loss that's going to be before you at some point in time. Because there will be a world series of loss, of pain, of hurt. It's the human condition. But as you allow the presence of Jesus to minister to you, you're going to find that when you get to that world series of loss, because you've practiced this, in some way you're going to realize Jesus is present with me there, ministering to me, giving me grace, helping me take deep breaths, relinquishing control in order to receive what he has for me. Um, Ironically, it's a quote for you, it should be on the screen. Ironically, what may seem to be death is paradoxically life. What may seem to be defeat is paradoxically victory. What may seem to be loss is paradoxically gain. And all Christian experience flows through this strange but powerful paradigm. Laura Reese Hogan. 
this strange but powerful paradigm that in death there's life, that in defeat there's victory, that in loss there's gain. The Apostle Paul had this moment um, where his life, was, uh, his life was on cruise control. He had a plan. And Paul's name before it was Paul was Saul. And Saul was this incredibly religious dude. Um, he was passionate about the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. So passionate about it that he was actually willing to go and, and even be involved in killing followers of the way, these new followers of Jesus who were kind of saying, no, 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 God's, God's kind of doing this new thing. Um, and in the midst of his plan, he's, he's going, kind of doing his plan, and boom, he's thrown off his horse. He has this encounter with Jesus, and everything is just like, whew, what happened here? But in that place, Jesus begins to minister to Saul, And Saul eventually begins to respond to the ministry of Jesus to him, allows Jesus to give him a new calling. And so Paul then, with this name change, begins to go to all of these regions throughout uh, the Middle East there, and, and he's kind of stepping into these cities, building new churches. And one of these churches was in this ancient city of Philippi, and he's writing to these people, and he's talking about, in particular, joy that can manifest in the Christian life when we actually begin to engage in this kind of living, where it's like, look, I'm going I'm to stop trying to control things. I'm going to allow interruptions and irritations to kind of come and do their thing, but Jesus' ministry is, presence, is present there doing some new things. Um, and so even as Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, he's, he says these things, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So what has happened to Paul? Paul is now in prison, right? So Paul had this incredible plan, this incredible calling to go and kind of bring life to these new churches in these new cities, but he lands himself in prison because those in authority don't like change, right? They don't like things being done in a new way. They don't like kind of little bit of disorder coming to the order that's there, but that's often how God's spirit works. And so he's thrown in jail, but Paul is able to say, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what is, what's happened to me here has actually served to advance the gospel, Right? And the good news is this, that the word gospel, it just means good news, and it's really just kind of a, um, it's a term for victory. Like if, if an ancient empire went and conquered somebody, there would be a herald who would come and be like, hey, gospel, good news, we just conquered another land. But, but Paul's saying there's another kind of good news, right? The good news of the work that Jesus is doing in the world. And I want you to know that me being in chains, it's okay, this is a good thing. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. It's become clear to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul is telling a different story with his life. The story for Paul's life is not what his plans are, how it accomplishes in his timeline, in his way. But Paul's life has taken a new purpose where it's like, no, 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 no. The only plan is that life is chaotic and life doesn't always happen like how we want. But here's the good news. Jesus is still Lord over this. Jesus is still Lord over this. Right? 
So whatever, whatever pain, interruption, irritation is present in your life right now, in your workplace right now, in your family right now, um, Jesus is still Lord over that. And you have an opportunity to embrace this interruption, this irritation, to see an opportunity arise. Interruptions create opportunity. What a beautiful truth, Mosaic. Interruptions create opportunity. There is an opportunity right now for something to happen in your life. In particular, I want to share with you three things. I could probably create this super long list, but here's a few that I believe are real gems. Number one, there's an opportunity for decentering. All right? I don't know about you. I love it when I am the center of the universe and the universe revolves around me, right? Isn't that a great place to be? Love it. Um, Yet at the same time, that's like a very kind of lonely, sick existence, right? I mean, when you really stop and think about it, it's kind of a lonely, sick existence. It's an opportunity to decenter yourself. Let's just remove myself from the throne here and realize that, like, I am a part of this massive universe. Um, that I can't explain, that I don't understand, right? Some of you were here uh, when we went through the Job series, right? And Job is, is wrestling with this. Like, I am a part of this massive, chaotic universe, and there's just no answers to it. So let's stop pretending that I need to be at the center. And so every ir- irritation, interruption, loss, pain, it's an op- opportunity for decentering. That's why Paul is even able to say, like, I'm in chains for Christ. This isn't about me. Second, it's an opportunity for grace to work in us. An opportunity for grace to work in us. That in the midst of that irritation, Jesus is present there saying, let me minister to you. Would you let me remind you that that it's not about your plan, but it's about how you can actually live at a place where you can receive the ministry that my presence can bring you. We've talked about in this series that growth in the Christian life, it's not about adding more things to the schedule. It's not about adding more experiences. It's actually clearing your life out so that you can actually pay attention to the presence of Jesus that's with you in every moment. And it's learning how to kind of subtract all of these extras so that actually we can learn to respond to the presence of Jesus in our life. It's one of the greatest gifts, honestly. Like, if if you have interaction with children, allow your children to see how you allow the presence of Jesus to minister to you. Kids these days are growing up in a world that it's, it's, I mean, the level of just kind of um, the anxiety that's there, right? The pressure to perform, what, a, what an opportunity for them to begin to see, like, even in the midst of that, the presence of Jesus is there desiring to minister to them and how desperately they need that. It's an opportunity for grace to work in us. It's an opportunity for grace to work in others, too, right? A lot of us have loved ones in our lives, and, like, sometimes we see them heading down a path, Um, And we want to step in and try to fix it, right? You want to step in and try to save it. You want to step in and try to offer that warning. I always tell people, like, in in ministry with one another, especially, like, as kids, once they get to be, like, I'm telling you, you know, like, any more, like, 9, 10, 11 years old, um, and then even beyond that, like, people are on a need-to-know basis. They really don't care what you have to think. They really don't care to, to hear your advice. They're done. 
They're done. Um, and so when we learn to kind of just receive the interruption, the irritation, even that maybe not seeing something happen that we want to see in somebody else's life, like maybe it's just a, a chance to step back and say, Jesus, you're still Lord over that person's life, and I'm just going to give the space for you to work in their life. And make me more aware of how I can come alongside it rather than feeling like I need to speak into it or fix it. Right? What a beautiful way of, of dealing with each other. Opportunity for grace to work in us and others. Um, it's an opportunity for witness, too. Notice what Paul says. He's like, look, hey, the whole palace garden, everybody knows that I'm in chains for Christ. This is great. It's an opportunity for witness. The word witness itself, the Greek word is martyr. Um, and so martyr is really like a loss of life, right? That actually in that loss, and as you're willing to embrace that loss, and maybe consider that there's some opportunity that can come from that, that's an incredible witness, an incredible story that's being told to the people all around you. So that's why Paul is able to write what he writes. Later on in that same letter, Philippians chapter 4, the second half of verse 11 through verse 13, Paul says this, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Welcoming interruptions, Mosaic, it, it takes practice. So let's not, let's not leave here this morning um, frustrated maybe with the way that we've um, kind of shown ourselves to be really irritated people. Um, maybe the ways that we've actually missed out time and time and time and time again in every little irritation and loss to allow the presence of Jesus to minister to us. Um, but let's see this as an opportunity. This takes practice. Like I said, just like I was watching those, those college kids play baseball at the big stage, like you think about the incredible work that they went through time and time and time again when no one or maybe very few people were watching, right? The practice, the continual throwing, the drills, the batting cage, all of it. But it was only through that practice that when they get to the big moment that they're able to really show what they're made of. Welcoming interruptions, irritations, it takes practice. But the beautiful thing is this, is welcoming interruptions, irritations, it allows us uh, to relinquish and receive. Whatever our plan was, whatever our desire is, it allows us to relinquish that, let go of it with open hands, and then receive the grace that God has for us, through Jesus, who's present with us in that situation. And all of that is preparing us for future things. We're able to relinquish and receive, relinquish and receive. Mosaic, that is one of the key practices of finding life, joy, contentment in life, learning how to relinquish, receive, relinquish, receive. Most of us, myself included, we start each and every day and we have a plan of what that day needs to look like, what we want it to look like. And so when irritation, when interruption happens, we're unable to relinquish because it's just we've, we've held so tight to that plan, that idea of whatever it is that we're desiring. 
But we've got to learn to relinquish in order to receive. Paul, in the midst of the letter of Philippians, he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Beautiful words. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Did you hear that? Paul actually wants to know Christ, to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The only way to the resurrection, to receiving what's new, is to relinquish the plan, the dream, whatever it is, and let God replace it. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So when you're irritated, when you're interrupted, when you're faced with that loss, boom, your plan is interrupted. Your dream for the day is gone. Like Paul, let's forget about it. It's water under the bridge. Let it go. So what now does Jesus have for me to grab a hold of? And maybe... Maybe, not maybe, probably the first thing that you can grab a hold of is his presence that's right there with you and allow his presence to minister to you in that moment, right? Strip away everything else in your life, even if you're right there in your car, catch yourself. You're beating the steering wheel because you're ticked, right? Stop, Jesus, minister to me in this moment. I need you to minister to me, Jesus. I need you to calm the waters, right? I need you to, to, to just kind of keep this anger. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry, but I need you to keep it from boiling over, right? Jesus, I need you to have a little grace because I've already labeled this cop as like a bad cop and all he's doing is trying to direct traffic. Um, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Mosaic, can we we believe um, that... Jesus is working things for our good in each interruption, irritation, loss of the plan. It's not that God causes these things, all right? I'm not saying that God is causing these things to happen. What I'm saying is that Jesus is Lord over these things. It's just the nature of the universe that we live in. It's a universe of loss, of pain, of hurt. All of us are going to experience it in in, in some way, um, ultimately in a big way. But Jesus is Lord over that. Do we believe that he's working things for our good in the midst of that? And, Mosaic, can we believe that nothing can separate us from the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases, including the moments in irritation, interruption? Thank you, Jeff Miller, for being so honest this morning about, you know, kind of losing it on your kids. How many of us haven't been there before? Can we believe that even in that moment, that our kind of reaction doesn't separate us from the love of God, but even that's an opportunity to like, okay, stop. Repent and believe. Come back home to God's love, right? Just like right now, we're we're breathing in, we're breathing out. You don't even think about it. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. A life of following Jesus is a life of repenting, coming back home to where I need to be, just coming back home and believing the good news, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, even when I fail, 
even when I blow it, even when I lash out at my kids, whatever it is. Guys, if we can embrace this steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases, you will begin to experience life transformation and life change in ways that you've never experienced it before. When you begin to realize that each and every ordinary experience of interruption and and, and irritation is there, um, and you don't need to know why, it's just the nature of a chaotic universe, but Jesus is Lord over that. When we embrace that, life change and transformation begins to happen. Your life begins to tell a story, first and foremost, to you. And then your life begins to tell a story to the people around you, starting with your family, your friends, your coworkers, and then to your neighbors. And then your life becomes a generative life lived for the sake of the world where you actually now are generating life for others. And people will look and say, what is it about these people? It must be something about this Jesus, this one that they claim to follow. So welcome to your ordinary life, Mosaic, filled with all kinds of interruption and irritation. But oh, every little bit of it that you feel this week, there is tremendous opportunity right in the midst of it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Jesus, in knowing the interruption, the irritation, the pain and the loss that he was about to face on the last night that he was with his disciples, um, he loved them to the end. And he took bread at a meal that he was sharing and he broke the bread and he said, this Bread represents my body. I break it open for you. Uh, He took a cup and he poured the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Take this, drink it, and do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul in in starting churches said, look, don't, don't forsake this practice of what Jesus started coming to these tables. Because this is where you, first and foremost, begin to realize in a very tangible way the incredible love of God that is being extended to you in each and every moment. That you are being invited to come and receive life, rescue, salvation, forgiveness from Jesus so that then you can go and break open your life and spill your blood this week for the sake of the world around you. Uh, And so as Landon and Keith come and lead us in our last song, I want to invite the guys up. Um, may we allow this moment to be a moment where we allow Jesus to minister to us in the midst of whatever irritation, whatever interruption, whatever loss that you're facing now. Um, Allow Jesus to minister to you. And as you take, as you eat, um, allow it to be a reminder that as you're being ministered to, now that your life is being sent out in order to go and minister to others around you. Um, Let's have our lives be about that this week. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the the mystery that's found in relinquishing our dreams, our plans, uh, our comfort. Uh, Thank you that in decentering we discover a a new way of living, a deeper purpose. And it's it's not just about us, but it's about what you're doing in the world. And what a beautiful place that is to rest in. So allow us to rest in that moment now. Thank you for the gift of Jesus' life, of his death, forgiveness that is ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.